Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome, everybody. Okay, happy Friday. Let's see here. A few things to go over. There's a higher ed story, I think, that I, I definitely want to read and, and go through, which I think is remarkably important to, to review and discuss because, again, it's, it's highlighting the, the bigger problem and the bigger picture. But there are, I mean, the, the grass is green on the other side here. And people have to, I believe, stop holding on to the old ideals of the past. And that's going to, I think, prove to be very beneficial for countless individuals and countless families as well. But I'll get into that story a little bit later. First, I wanted to cover this Utah teacher who decided to rail off in, in one of her classrooms about a, a, variety, of su- uh, a variety of subjects. Her name is uh, Leah Kenyon, if I'm saying that right, and uh, apparently is either a middle school or high school teacher, I suppose. I don't even know what she teaches. Um, but she rails off in her class, and again, if you want to see the full video, it's pretty much everywhere, but I have it on my BitChute account as well under uh, This Is War Part 3, and there, there's a, a number of interesting things to bring up with this. Number one, just as a large umbrella topic, it, it should go without saying, but I'm going to say it, is that everything that she says and does in this video, both singularly and collectively, is a fireable offense. Now, we have to keep a number of things in mind here because the rules don't apply anymore. And the laws don't apply anymore because it's a ruleless and lawless environment. And again, I'm going to continue to say it, that there is no unhealthier environment right now than an American K-12 school, in particular in the public arena. She rails on about Donald Trump. She rails on about people who think that climate change is fake, should be eliminated, um, that they should hate their parents, X, Y, Z. The deeper issue for me is, is always this, and I've never liked these people and I never will. And it's sad. It really is a sad state of affairs because the school teacher who uses their classroom as their own psychotherapy session, those individuals are not well. That's why they're doing that. They're using their students as a way to make themselves feel better about their own misery and then rationalize their own misery in front of minors. This is, this is very common, and has been common for a very long time. Frankly, it's existed since the beginning of what we would consider formal education in this country. It happens at the university level. It happens at the K-12 level. It happens everywhere. So her explosion in a classroom is not new by any stretch. We all know that. It's just great that it was caught on, on video, um, and now hopefully she's toast, and she'll lose her job, and hopefully she loses her certification, or her certificate, and uh, her certification, rather, and that'll be, that'll be the end of her career, as it should be. She, she does not belong anywhere near minors um, for, for a variety of reasons, clearly. There's, I mean, she's just railing on about nonsense. Her own psychopathology is just coming out 
in, in random thoughts and she's making fun of people. There's another interesting little phenomenon here that I wanted to bring up too regarding her explosion is that it has to do with, with, with the act of cursing in the classroom. Cursing in the classroom also is not uncommon, in particular at the high school level. And it's very unfortunate that it takes place. So I'm not making excuses for it happening. It happens, and it's a terrible thing that it happens. But that right there is indicative of an even bigger problem, which is that a high school teacher who is doing that with regularity, if at all, is not there for the right reasons. They are there either to be liked, they're there to have their ego massaged, um, metaphorically speaking, of course, and, and so on and so forth. They're not there to teach and instruct. They aren't there to tell the truth. They aren't there to bring organized information to bear. And it's remarkable. It's just remarkably unprofessional, in, in particular in an education setting such as a classroom with minors. You're trying to, <laughs> the simple fact I have to bring this up is really sad. Um, as an educator, of course, which the entire profession is blowing up right now, and, and it's never going to return, Th and thank God for it, to be honest. Um, but the entire idea is to be the role model of professionalism. You're, you're there to be the boss. You're not there to be a parent, and you're not even there really to be a friend. You're there to be a boss and to teach them what a boss actually looks like and sounds like and should look like and should sound like. And that matters, and that's a big deal. Um, I've spoken about this on numerous occasions in the past, too, is, is the business of dress code in these environments. Because, again, the idea is to model appropriate dress and appropriate behavior in these environments. And some people would say that that doesn't matter. I would say to that person, on the contrary, it does matter because, again, you're trying to show them what a real boss would look like if they were to work for someone else. You would want your boss to dress professionally and appropriately. You would probably want your boss to be a very nice person. You would want your boss to be someone who listens, someone who has a general tone of voice about them, someone who's not cursing hysterically, talking about how they hate their parents, talking about how... Um, they don't like people that they disagree with, ranting and raving about politics, this, that, or the other. You would want that individual to be clear, concise, focused, direct, and carry themselves in a professional manner. That's really what you're trying to model when you're a school teacher. You're trying to model who their future employer would want to be or who they would want in a future employer. But they don't consider that in many cases. And again, it's unfortunate. There was another story too uh, I, I saw on Gab again. It was, it's worth bringing up. Is is that and it, this was a good thing, and I commented on it. But it was a again elementary middle school teacher. It looked like, and they were posing for a picture, and they were saying, "I'm walking out because I'm not wearing a mask." And I'm not wearing a mask, and I'm not having my students wear masks when they're in this, when they're in my classroom because it's inappropriate and it's ineffective and it, it doesn't do anything, and I, I'm not going to hurt them, and 
XYZ. And while I liked all of that and the message, I thought it was fantastic. What was interesting was, and again, someone would say, well, you're looking for fault where there isn't any. That's not true. I'm just making some observations. That's all. I'm, I'm one person with an opinion and I'm making observations. The individual was wearing a cheetah print onesie. They were wearing a cheetah print onesie with a, a, a jean skirt above the knee with kind of like this shawl of a, of a scarf kind of thing over, over top of their, their top. But anybody looking at that knows that she's wearing a cheetah print onesie, which means it's basi basically a bathing suit or erotic lingerie. The, f the fact is, is that that's not appropriate attire for any school teacher ever. And I've heard people say, well, school teachers don't make money, so they can't afford clothes and they can't afford nice clothes. That's not true. None of that is true. All of that is a lie. It depends on what you spend your money on. And it depends on where your mind is when you're thinking about how you're carrying yourself as a professional. And the fact is, is that when, when a person dresses a particular way in a particular setting, you can see how they carry themselves in a particular way. I mean, they give themselves away. So I'm not, I'm not going to spend the entire episode railing on clothes. That's not the point. The point is, is that this Utah teacher who was railing on about a thousand things, all of which should get them fired, like I said, individually or collectively, there are always deeper-seated issues that you can even see that are going on in any setting beyond just the words that are coming out of someone's mouth. For example, again, back in her own classroom, in this Utah teacher's classroom, she has stuff all over the walls of her classroom. And I'm talking like, it's maniacal stuff. It's, it's pictures, it's paintings, it's, um, it's, it's magazine clippings, it's, it's everywhere. It's taped everywhere. This has always been one of those illusions that exists in a classroom setting that your classroom has to be decorated. That it has to be decorated either like your house or that it has to be decorated with knickknacks and desk tchotchkes and paintings and words of wisdom or uh, philosophical you know, mumbo-jumbo all over the walls. No. The answer is no. Do you see that in a college classroom or in a university classroom? No, you don't. Why? Because they are there to listen to the person who is in the front of the room who is hopefully delivering a factual message about the world we live in and the subject matter at hand. That's where the focus should be. It shouldn't be trinkets hanging from the ceilings and balloons and all this other nonsense. That's not, that's not the point. They are not toddlers in a... In a, in a crib with one of those, they have a name for them. I'm, I've lost my train of thought here on, on what they're called. But, you know, the, the dangly things that hang over babies. Those things, thank you. You've, you've all said them already now, I'm sure, out loud. And you're yelling it at me. I'm sorry, I'm, it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to get it. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say it because now it's, it's lost. The point is, is that, they that, that teachers that are decorating their rooms like that are treating their students like that. That's the mental connection that's being made there. And that's unfortunate. But again, that's my point is you crack open that nut 
And what you find out inside is not just the nut, but the multiple layers that are existing that are really the bigger problem. And this, again, has led to where we are now, which is the complete destruction of American K-12 school from multiple angles, so much so that, uh, that it can't be fixed and that it's sinking to the ground. So with that said, again, if you want to watch her entire video and listen to what she rails on about, it's over on my BitChute account. Of course, it's everywhere else, American Education FM on BitChute. Um, I wanted to read this because this is also troubling, and it's not, it's not uncommon because this is the, the, these are the hands that are, that are being shown, and this should tell everybody that we're talking about murder here. This is about murder. It's not about compliance per se. That's Compliance is used as a means to an end. The end is murder. So this comes from nhregister.com from the New Haven Register, and it's titled, Get Vaccinated or Face Thousands in Fines and No Wi-Fi. Quinnipiac officials warn students. Now I'm assuming that this is from... Well, yeah, Quinnipiac University, Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. It says this, the following, quote, About 600 Quinnipiac University students who have not yet disclosed their COVID vaccination status uh, face healthy fines if they do not upload their information to the school's database, officials said Monday. Tom Elliott, the university's chief experience officer. There you go. More leftist lingo. Chief Experience Officer. <laughs> I bet that person makes a ton of money for doing a whole lot of nothing. Uh, they sent an email to the students on Monday reminding them the deadline to upload the information was August 1st. Quote, our goal is to protect the health of our entire university community, unquote. Elliot wrote in an email which was obtained by Hearst Connecticut Media. In order to accomplish this, we must know if you have been vaccinated. Those students who remain unvaccinated were urged in the email to get vaccinated immediately and upload a copy of their record to avoid non-compliance fees. The email was sent Monday to about 600 students who had not yet uploaded vaccination information. University spokesman John Morgan told a reporter in an email Period. As of Tuesday evening, roughly 150 of those students had provided the required documentation after Elliott's communication went out, according to Morgan. The university will impose a weekly fee, which would reach up to $2,275 for a semester for not complying with the vaccination requirement, Elliott said. The fee starts at $100 per week for the first two weeks of the semester and will increase by $25 every two weeks until reaching the maximum of $200 per week. Or, I'm sorry, Elliot. I think it's Ellet. E-L-L-E-T-T. Ellet, whatever. Said the fines will stop once proof of vaccination is provided. My God in heaven. Quote, we wish we did not have to take these measures, but protecting the health of our, our QU community by ensuring compliance with our vaccination requirements is the only way we can ease most of our COVID-related restrictions and safely return to our in-person learning and living activities, Ellett said. A full-time faculty and staff have submitted the required vaccination documentation, according to Morgan. Well, say goodbye to them because they're not going to be around much longer. It continues, 
Any student who has started the vaccination process will not be charged as long as they are fully vaccinated by September 14th, Ellett said. Students who have received their first dose of a two-shot vaccine must upload a negative COVID test within five days by returning to campus and are required to do weekly on-campus testing until two weeks after the second dose, Ellett said. This is frightening, and it should scare everybody, because these people are not well. Now keep in mind, and I'm not making this up, mad cow disease is a side effect of the jab. The medical name of mad cow disease has slipped my mind. Anybody can look it up, though. But it's real. It's a softening of the brain. It's a liquefying of the brain. And we're starting to see some videos online of people that are saying some outrageously ridiculous stuff, and they've taken these jabs, and they're not making any sense any longer. This whole thing reads like it was something that was written by someone who has been jabbed to the bone. Um and is lining up for more booster shots as, as much as they can get them. It continues, asked why vaccinated students were not, were not required to get tested when there has been evidence of spread involving vaccinated individuals, Morgan issued the following statement, quote, CDC guidelines currently do not recommend routine testing of vaccination individuals, he wrote. Vaccinated individuals, he wrote. See, they're still relying on the CDC. They're still relying on the very criminal that's, that's killing them. They're relying on them for their advice. This is, this is outrageous. Quote, they do recommend that vaccinated persons get tested three to five days after exposure to someone with suspected or confirmed COVID-19. With suspected. Suspicion is now a medical diagnosis, apparently, um, among people who are not medical professionals. That's... We, we, we've been here, ladies and gentlemen, for a year and a half. None of this is new. Same old behavior, just rinse and repeat. Wow. Okay. And then it says, and, quote, to wear a mask in public indoor settings for 14 days after exposure or until they receive a negative test result. And the tests are faulty because we've been over that. The tests do nothing. They're faulty. Tap water, test positive. Coke, mangoes, a Snicker bar. Um, your dog's toy, it doesn't matter. In addition, if a vaccinated individual has any COVID-related symptoms, they should get tested, unquote. It also says this then, all unvaccinated QU students will be required to take weekly on-campus COVID-19 tests, period. Any unvaccinated students who miss weekly testing will be charged a $100 fee each time. Any student who has not fulfilled the vaccine requirement by September 14th will lose access to the Quinnipiac network and Wi-Fi, Ellett said. The deadline for students to request a medical exemption was July 6th, but these are still being considered on a case-by-case basis, Ellett said. Uh, this is, it, it reads, like, it reads like, a, like a horror novel. Um... I'm going to finish this. This is really uncomfortable. It continues. The deadline for students to request a medical exam. I already said that. Okay. Quote, our hope, and this is, uh, this is from the, uh, I, don't, I don't know who this is, the, the Morgan person. Quote, our hope is we don't have to issue these charges on anyone, but rather the students provide their necessary documentation as required before the start of the semester, Morgan said. The university's website indicates 
It has about 6,800 undergraduate and about 3,000 graduate medical and law students across its three campuses in Hamden and North Haven. Other area schools are taking different approaches to vaccine requirements. Albertus Magnus College is not allowing students to enroll if they are unvaccinated and do not have an exemption, according to a statement from spokeswoman Sarah Barr. Anthony Santella, the University of New Haven's COVID coordinator, oh, I bet, I bet he's a bright one, told the Register that the UNH had no plans to fine unvaccinated or partially vaccinated students who missed who miss their weekly surveillance testing, but would prohibit them from entering campus facilities, including classrooms. Then why go? The money thing in itself is extortion. It's medical extortion. It's bribery. It's coercion. These are crimes, ladies and gentlemen. They're crimes. It's against the law. And they're all doing it because they're playing pretend doctor for something that isn't deadly. Oh my. For students at Southern Connecticut State University in New Haven, quote, we will continue to educate and work with our students individually to ensure that they are following our mitigation efforts including required testing for those who are not vaccinated, according to spokesman Patrick Dilger. Uh, we will not be imposing fines or similar measures for noncompliance. It doesn't matter if you do or not. You're still forcing them to do things that they have no business doing in an environment that's not supposed to be abusive that is. See how that works? It continues, at Yale University, spokeswoman Karen Pert uh, said Tuesday that students who wish to enroll in fall 2021 must either be vaccinated or be granted a medical or religious waiver from vaccination. Quote, those refusing vaccine who fail to meet the vaccination requirement by the determined deadline will not be allowed to remain on campus, she said. Aw, boo-hoo. You mean I don't get to remain in a concentration camp where you're beating me and jabbing me and and ramming things down my face? Aw, that's too bad. Maybe I'll just have to go learn online and get a job and be happy and actually live a life, take a vacation, you know, pet a dog, do things that normal people do. At the University of Connecticut, non-exempt students who do not provide proof of vaccination will have their accounts frozen, according to the spokeswoman Stephanie Rents, Rights, whatever, um, who said the measure would prevent them from accessing their housing assignments and course information. At Gateway Community College, spokeswoman Eve Gard and Gateway said Gateway and all of the state's community colleges are, quote, governed by the policies set forth by the CT Board of Regents for higher ed with DPH and CDC guidance. The protocols adapt as the situation changes. It's all fluid because the insanity is all fluid, right down the toilet where you can never get it back again. And that's fine. Let them flush themselves. Okay, it wraps up with this last quoted paragraph. Quote, The latest is the vaccine requirement for students who want to attend classes on campus or participate in activities on campus, according to an email. Quote, Unvaccinated students can apply for a medical or non-medical exemption. They are also encouraged to take classes online and virtually participate in campus activities. There is no punitive action 
for non-compliance, but non-vaccinated students without an exemption would be likely redirected to off-site learning until the matter is resolved. They get an exemption or get vaccinated, unquote. And there you have it. I, I, I don't... Um, I don't know why people are continuing to return to these abusive environments because, as I've said countless times in the past, dating back to, good Lord, a year ago plus last March 2020, um, abuse, child abuse, and all of those crimes against humanity are now school policy. It can't get clearer. They're turning them into communistic camps to see who will play the communistic game. And unfortunately, there are people playing them. What they don't know, unfortunately, those that are playing this game, is that the end game is not a game. The end is their ultimate demise, and that's it. There won't be any there won't be any degrees, there won't be any job, there won't be any big house, there won't be any big retirement. None of that's going to happen. These people are walking right into the slaughterhouse and they're following the sheep right in front of them. And as it's been said a thousand times, by the time you smell the blood of the sheep in front of you, it's too late. It's far too late for you then. And I again, it's not uh, you know, th- these are tough times for everybody, but for the individuals that are doing this, even even the administrators themselves, you can hear how far gone they are. I mean, even they won't survive this. They won't have jobs, but somehow they think they're going to come out of this alive. That's the lunacy. That's the lunacy of the entire thing, is they think that they're going to make it out. They're not going to make it out. That's That's it. They just won't. But you've got to walk away from these environments. And I've said it a million times on Gab and other places. The fact is, is that the places that are doing this not only won't survive, but I mean, you've got to self-govern and you've got to take some control back. So the business of online learning is remarkably effective. Unfortunately, it was perverted by countless K-12 school teachers and countless individuals in higher ed who had never done it before and thought that it was just supposed to be Zoom calls all day long, six-hour Zoom calls, that that's all you're supposed to do when, when online learning occurs and that's what online learning what online learning is. And the answer is no, that is not online learning. Online learning is there is usually an assignment of some kind that usually involves watching something, reading something, and then writing something. Heaven forbid they listen, think, read, and write. And then those exchanges go back and forth between the teacher or professor. There are some hopefully correct edits that are being made from a grammatical standpoint and a writing standpoint. And then the individual sharpens their skills on how to search for accurate information. And heaven forbid they actually pray a little bit to actually wake up and, and, and see things and, and hear things and ask questions. And I've said this too in the past also, and it bears repeating, that the scientific method is one of those things that has been lost in this entire process. And there's a part of the scientific method that, it, that is worth also bringing up because, again, this is one of the things that I do on a consistent basis and I would encourage others to do. The more you learn, the easier it becomes for an individual to be able to predict what's likely to occur down the line. There are countless people doing it. 
not the only one for God's sakes. There's, there's millions and millions and millions of people doing this. And it's not about being right at the end. It's about preparation. So the part of the scientific method that's being lost also, beyond the method itself, which has been ignored, it, it, it has to do with taking all of that now newfound fact and, and logical conclusions and saying, okay, what's going to happen now in the future? Or even saying, what, sh- what do we think people might want to try in the future? Or what do we think people should, should think about in the future? All of that matters, and that has to happen. And again, that's one of the things that you don't necessarily hear in school board meetings, and it's not one of the things that you, you're certainly not going to hear on TV because television is designed to be a play-by-play, here's the latest thing, here's the latest thing, here's the latest thing. There's no, there's no projecting down the line, and that has to happen. And it's an individual skill, and individuals have to pick up that skill and learn that skill. And the faster an individual does that, um, you know, barring some other tragedy, they're, they're going to stay alive longer. And that's a good thing because you're going to learn more that way. So there's that. Okay. Here's the last thing I wanted to bring up, and this is very interesting. And I'm going to read through this entire slide here. Vanessa Hurst has been a guest on the podcast before, and she's going to come back and describe what's going on again in her school district in, uh, in, in New Haven, the New Haven school district in, in Kentucky. It, it's frightening because it again models the same kinds of behaviors as that Connecticut school that, that I just read about. Although at the K-12 level, they're doing something that's equally as nefarious, but slightly different where they're basically turning the entire place into a concentration camp. So, yeah, let me get to this, and I'm going to read this real quick. So this was a slide that she sent me from their last board meeting where they're going over basically new policy and all their COVID nonsense. And this is, this is frightening. And I'm going to read through every line here because it's weird. And, and I've got to paint this picture here because it's a giant, it's a giant slide that's being projected onto a screen, and, and it's broken up into a, a few different pieces. So at the top, it says COVID work from home, sick day slash sick days, and it's the New Haven City Schools. On the left-hand side, there's an entire column, and it says KBE regulation related to COVID-19 paid quarantine leave. It says the following, quote, during the 2021-22 school year, paid quarantine leave may be provided to all eligible employees in the following situations. One, if a fully vaccinated employee is required to quarantine. And two, an employee has a valid confirmed exemption on file. And then at the bottom of that column, it says paid leave may not be provided if the employee tests positive for COVID-19. Other local districts have adopted the KBE regulation as is. And then the meat of the slide says the following. NCS paid leave related to COVID-19 circumstances. It says, number one, an employee who is instructed to quarantine may choose to work from home and be paid up to five days. And then there are multiple bullet points. The first says this, only applies to an employee who has been quarantined by our nursing staff and documented on the COVID-19 tracking spreadsheet. 
keeping track of everybody now. They're keep, the school is keeping track of your health status. Do you understand what this means? The next one says, employee must work from home while using the five days. The next one says, the employee may not work from home for more than five days. The employee may use sick days or personal days after all five work from home days have been used. The next one says, work from home days can only be used on regularly scheduled work days. The next one says, work from home days are available only for the 2021-22 school year. The final one says, if an employee chooses not to utilize their five work from home days during their quarantine period, they may use sick days and or personal days instead. Okay. Most teachers, ladies, now there's a, there's two more sections at the bottom of this, but I just want to interrupt real quickly. Most school teachers are given a handful of days, sometimes a week of sick, of sick leave days. They're giving them now five more days. You know, because it's already happened, and it already happened last year, and it's, I mean, it's already happened. Teachers are going to be taking two-week vacations online, at home. You mean I don't have to show up for two days? Because I tested positive. And then they're going to go to a doctor and they're going to tell the doctor, hey, look, I tested positive the other day. They'll get another. They're poisoning themselves to get days off. The tests themselves are poison. I've been over this. Ethylene oxide, graphene oxide is in the test. It's in the nose swabs. It's poison. They're poisoning themselves to take days off, to fly to Aruba for a week, to turn in online assignments from time to time while their home is locked up and their shades are drawn and they're convincing everybody that they're at home when in fact they're in Aruba drinking Mai Tais and having a great time. The system itself is is purposefully setting it up to be taken advantage of. I mean, that's how dumb these people are. But again, on purpose or by accident, it's, it's certainly both. I, I just think it's both. I think there are, are people pulling strings from both ends and none of, it's, none of it's going to work and it's all failing and it's all going to fall. Um, then the second section says this, number two, a fully vaccinated employee may request to use up to five additional sick days in lieu of five work from home days if they have a positive COVID-19 test. They're rewarding people for testing positive. That's my point. The three bullet points here. The first says, employee is not required to work from home. However, they may request to use five work from home days instead of five sick days if they are asymptomatic. That's funny because asymptomatic is a lie. That's already been shown. There's no such thing as asymptomatic. Uh, The second, employees must present a copy of the positive COVID-19 test to care clinic staff and proof of being fully vaccinated. See, they still want them jabbed, and they're not going to be around because they've been jabbed. The final bullet point says employees' isolation must be documented by care clinic staff on the COVID-19 tracking spreadsheet. And then it says this at the bottom in big, bold letters, two things. No employee will receive over five work from home or additional COVID sick days. Ladies and gentlemen, I bet they do. I bet they do. And I bet they're going to receive more at-home sick days because 
Number one, they've got all this money at hand. All that COVID money, those school districts have it. They're sitting on it. They're sitting on a pile of cash. Every single one of them. I've brought that up in the past. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Tens of millions of dollars for every district. They're sitting on it. That's number one. Number two, they're going to get sick from the jabs and they're going to call it COVID. So they're going to need more than five days because what's going to happen after that? Well, we can figure that out, can't we? And then at the bottom, much like a Surgeon General's warning on a pack of cigarettes, this is hilarious, it says this. It looks just like that too, by the way. It says, these guidelines are subject to change in the event that new information is provided by either the CDC, the Kentucky Department of Education, the Kentucky Board of Education, or any other state or federal entity, which means there is no local control anymore. There is no local government. There's no such thing. Everything has been federalized. Everything has been communized. That's it. They're all taking advice and direction from the same criminal organizations at the federal level. Period. End of story. Done. Don't know what else I can add there. They're telling you what they're doing. They're telling you they're communists. They're telling you all of this is their plan and that it's of sound mind. And it's not. None of it is of sound mind. All of it is lunacy. Here's the final thing I wanted to read, and this comes directly from Dr. Michael Yeadon uh, via COVID vaccine injuries on Telegram. And I'm going to read this word for word. I, I think it's very apt and certainly important. So he says the following, quote, to university and college students everywhere. And by the way, you should consider yourself um, even K-12 as well. He says this, facing pressure to disclose confidential medical information, vax status, or being required to be vaccinated in order to pick up your studies again, I say this, none of you are at serious risk from this virus. In the unlikely event you become ill, there are good early treatments and these are available via telemedicine services. These vaccines don't even work as advertised. There's emerging evidence indicating that they increase your chances of dying, allegedly, from this virus. They're extraordinarily unsafe, killing minimally 29,000, as many die shortly after influenza vaccination. I think it is a great deal more. I'm going to stop right there real quick. That's the thing about these, uh, uh, Michael Eden is a PhD, not a medical doctor, but that's the thing is that they, they've all been saying this, which is what I said in the past and have said in the past on numerous occasions, that the statistics are way bigger than what people know. And the question that people consistently ask themselves is, is again, well, why isn't my television telling me this? Well, your television isn't telling you because that's part of the plan. Your, your television is purposefully lying to you and it always has your whole life about everything. So... I know that's a difficult pill to swallow, but it's one that needs to be swallowed for those that aren't awake yet. Um, he continues, he says, these rushed gene-based products, if the gene was a cancer target, regulators treat it as a gene therapy, quote unquote. But the exact same product where the gene is for part of an infectious agent, question mark, classified as a vaccine, quote unquote, and given an easy path are, 
Number one, not safe. Number two, don't work properly. And number three, not necessary. So why is your college university insisting you be subject to it? It's a good question, isn't it? It has nothing to do whatsoever with viruses or your health. That much can be deduced with certainty, merely by observing the lack of internal consistency. To the students there, you're sovereign human beings. Tell them to sling their hooks. Demand objective evidence on the basis of which their vaccine policy is set. No evidence, no compliance. The educational institution isn't God. No one died and left them in charge. Do not fear falling behind in your education, quote-unquote. When you've graduated, the world will be so restricted and malign, it's going to make no difference if you graduated or not. Unless you actively oppose this Mad Max scheme. Bottom line, if you stay only by complying, leave. Also, you'll feel better about yourself. Dr. Mike Eden. I couldn't agree more. The grass is greener on the other side. The grass is always going to be greener on the other side. Think of your ancestors during this time, would you please? I think we all should. We all should. They know the truth right now as to what's going on. And they didn't work, and they didn't fight, and they didn't die so that we could just blindly walk into the slaughter. That's not it. Go back a hundred years. Go back 200 years, your ancestors. Did they walk into a school and go, oh, the school's not doing what I want. The school isn't giving me what I need. Nope. They taught themselves. They taught each other. They sat at the dinner table. They ate dinner together. They talked. They conversed. They told stories. Lessons learned. Trials and tribulations. They read books together. They told each other what they were reading and what it was about. They helped each other write. They taught each other how to fish, how to work, how to, how to fix things that were broken. These are the things that have got to continue to take place. These are the things that have to happen. Unplugging is part of that. And people need to unplug from this K-12 and university maniacal system. I've, I've provided endless homeschooling references. They're, again, they're on my website. I link them in the descriptions below of these podcasts from time to time, and they're in the descriptions below on the BitChute videos and, and the podcast on BitChute there too. The references are everywhere. The resources are everywhere. You have to make the move, and I promise you, you'll never, ever regret it. I'll catch you on Monday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.